Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan. Um, we are going to talk a little recruiting, a little offseason football stuff, and then try to analyze what has been going on with baseball. I think we cursed them a couple weeks ago when we yeah, said I'm that they were home. I think that might be our fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, if you missed it like two weeks ago, as they were coming off of the Florida um, sweep, I think it was. Yeah, we had basically said that they were a shoe in for a national seed, and now <sighs> that is, <sighs> isn't so true. Um, probably getting I mean, hurt. <sighs> yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, if they could somehow pull off a series win at Arkansas this weekend, which is a big if, that is a large if, <laughs> um, then you're back on track and you're probably okay, but. Yeah, I, it'd be hard to project that right now. But we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, as usual, we start off talking about recruiting a little bit. As far as high school recruiting goes, um, nothing immediately on the horizon right now, although there are plenty of visits and offers and all these sorts of things going out. Um, we actually had a interview with a 2025 kid that's name is escaping my grasp right now. Um on the site earlier this week, if you just go back to GameCockScoop.com and, and scroll back a little. Um, and then as far as the 2024 class goes, the big weekends are in June for official visits. So the first weekend of June is shaping up to have uh, a few uh, pretty big names that we'll, we'll get into as we get a little bit closer, probably next week. And then the last weekend of June is the really large... Um, summer official visit weekend that all of the current or pretty much all of the current commits are planning on being there. And then a lot of the big time targets uh, remaining in the 2024 class, including Dylan Stewart um, are supposed to be there for the last or the third weekend in June is the 23rd or whatever it is. Um, so obviously as we lead up to that, we will talk a good bit about what that list is looking like, um, what the chances of South Carolina are of landing some of those guys. But right now uh, it's really about the portal. So this past weekend, South Carolina had three very important, intriguing um, transfer portal targets on campus. So we we mentioned one of the, or a couple of them last week, I think, but uh, defensive end Jatias Gear um, from Syracuse, originally from Belton Honeypath uh, High School in South Carolina. Um, he was on campus, still feel pretty good about South Carolina's place there. Um, and then you had two running backs on campus, both of which I think probably are immediate upgrades to what you have right now. Uh, no offense to anyone in that room or whatever. And obviously Juju McDowell, I think he has a role no matter who, who is there, as we've yeah. seen over the last couple of years. Um, but we've talked before about how it might not be ideal for him to be carrying the ball 25, 30 times a game. Um, so anyway, uh, Notre Dame running back Logan Diggs and NC State running back. Let me get his name right. Demi Sumo Karangbe. Yeah. Um, they both visited, not at the not on the same days, but both visited at the end of last week into the weekend. Um, Diggs probably projects as the slightly better of the two, or at least more seasoned of the two um if you watch the bowl game obviously you remember that he scored a touchdown went for 86 yards against south carolina um and then he had his other best game of the season against clemson last year 
Um, so, you know, he's, he's done it against elite level competition. Um, but your big factor there is he's from Louisiana. Um, he was originally recruited to Notre Dame by Brian Kelly. Yep. Brian Kelly is at LSU now. Um, and they want him as well. Um, I think South Carolina probably has more to sell from a depth chart perspective. Um, Carries. Can't just yeah. hold the football at a game. Pretty much. Um, I, he also visited Ole Miss last week, but I've, I've, I'm not feeling too strong about that happening. Also, Ole Miss has a, probably the best running back room of those three schools already, so uh, harder to break into that starting role there. Um, and then, yeah, I, we, we'll kind of see that that plays out. Um, Demi Sumo Karangbe projected as the NC State starter, or at least part of their main rotation. Um, I do think he's better than anyone that you have. Um, so, you know, that's still a win, I think, if you end up landing him instead of Diggs. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out. Um, I don't think Diggs has officially visited LSU yet, although maybe that's going to happen this weekend. Um, I don't, I, I, have to, I haven't heard that yet. I have to kind of check around a little bit more, but, um, yeah, so it'll be a minute. Another quick portal note. Had a position of need. Um, South Carolina just got a commitment from a preferred walk-on at left tackle that has D1 experience. Um, that's Char- Charlotte left tackle Jackson Hughes. Um, and he was he was a starter for Charlotte uh, for the last two years under Will Healy. Um, you know, there's a big step up from Charlotte to the SEC. Uh, but we did talk a little bit this morning to Perry McCarty, who's kind of our like film guy. And he said he mostly had only watched, um, Jackson versus South Carolina, but that he did a pretty good job against Jordan Birch. Um, so, you know, totally. So I don't know that he's going to necessarily slot in and be your every down guy at left tackle, but you get him for basically free as a preferred walk-on. He's got experience uh, and you just need bodies. Yeah, I would say it's like, kind of the same as the running back problem. Totally. So um, I think that that's a savvy pickup there for sure. Um, probably not something that's going to get a lot of people immediately excited, but I think a good move. Um, all right. While we're on football, so you uh, you went to the baseball the midweek baseball game the other day and. There was a ninth inning lightning delay for over an hour, right? It was over um, two hours. Over two hours. <laughs> um, and so you did a little AMA on Twitter, and I, I saw, I believe it was uh, Steven Steven, Anderson, yeah. Yeah. Asked you kind of what you were thinking very early, right? It's May 11th. Let's, let's say this whole conversation is caveated by the fact that it's May, it's May 11th. 11th. Yeah. Yeah. We will do a full uh south carolina and sec preview show for football later in the summer like you know before actual football starts um i mean i just went down all these different portal options that are still out there and still moving around so there's a lot that could still change in the rosters of a lot of these teams um but i believe you said that your early may projection for south carolina next year is seven and five or eight and four or so that's kind of about where I am now. I probably would have been feeling better about the eight and four before the Nichols injury, um, which we talked about last week on the show that he's probably their best pass blocker. He's going to probably miss most of the year. I still think the ceiling or excuse me, the floor is high with Spencer that 
unless you have a quarterback injury, which I'm not going to even use that because any team could have one of those at any point. Um, your floor is higher than most a lot of teams just by having Spencer. Yeah, I come out of the spring feeling better about the defense probably than when I went into the spring, but feeling worse about the offense mostly just because of the Nichols entered in injury, um, which is a, just a really tough position to replace. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a strength last year to begin with the offensive line. Um, so having to reshuffle something that already wasn't a strength that you already had lost um, a couple kind of key pieces to, to graduation and the draft. Um, and then you have an injury. I, I do think it's going to be, I, I think you have a lot of help coming in the offensive line room in the 2023, 2024 classes. Um, but they're not here yet, or they're very young. And so there's going to be, a stopgap year or two yeah. starting this year. That's going to be kind of difficult to navigate. Um, can you offset that uh, through scheme? Some, I think, yes. Can you offset that through the talent of Spencer Rattler and the talent of your wide receiver room? I mean, as long as you can keep him off, the, off his back long enough. Yes, <laughs> I think so. That's the whole um, question though. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to, it's, it's going to be interesting, but seven, five, eight, and four. I think that's a nice, you know, middle of the road conservative sort of answer at the moment. Um, and I could, you could probably easily argue six and six or nine and three as well. Um, we've talked a little bit about the schedule. Like it's very front loaded. Yeah. It's going to be very, <laughs> you're going to learn pretty quickly uh, how good you should feel about that. Now, granted, I feel like the last two years we've kind of felt that way. Uh, and then saw some losses that were unexpected, say like Missouri this year, Missouri and Florida back to back this year, mm -hmm. and kind of written them off. And then things still came back around. So you know, it's it's hard to say. But um, let's talk about the SEC in general because that's going to be like the strength of the SEC is going to have a lot to do with that sure. that South Carolina yeah. record. Um, I thought it could be fun to kind of do a power rankings from fourteen to one and we can just go like kind of back and forth and give a little bit of justification there on each um who was your 14th best sec school here on may 11th uh before several more factors and shoes drop i assume it's the same as yours and it's not even because i don't like them with vanderbilt i just think it kind of from the talent level you have to start there i do like aj swan a quarterback there but someone's got to be last. And even though they took a step last year to five and seven, it's still someone's got to be last. Yeah. I, uh, I have Vandy at 14. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they take a step up past someone else. Um, but cause I do think that they're improving, but it's still relative. Right. Um, and yeah, like you said, someone <laughs> got to put someone down there. Um, as we're going to see, I, th these rankings were pretty tough. Like, I felt pretty good about 14 and I felt pretty good about kind of like grouping some tiers together. Um, but as far as the actual order, I feel like it's kind of a crapshoot in some of these, yeah. these middle sections. Who was your number 13? I know this is our first place where we had some disagreement. Yeah, I got Florida there. I'm low on Florida right now. I think losing an NFL quarterback, not just an NFL quarterback, but a top five pick is going to hurt. There was not a lot of depth in the line of scrimmage there on either side of the ball last year. It's just not working there right now. And I think Anthony Richardson helped 
keep a lot of stuff taped together there last year that might fall apart this year. Even with him, they still only went six and six last year. Um, you don't think that what what is it, Graham Graham Hurts? No, I, he was not good at Wisconsin. Impact. I, yeah. I really didn't. Of all the quarterback moves, which we'll talk about some of them later as we go up the rankings, of all the quarterback moves in the SEC, that was the one I understood the least from the portal. Yeah, and it's kind of tough because you had the NIL issue with Jaden Rashada, um, who's five star, obviously, and um, it seems a little bit like a band aid there. And yeah, it will get early, quick, or late. It will get late early for there you Billy, go, Billy. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It will get late early for Billy Napier if he ends up the thirteenth best. Uh, yeah, it might year. just be over in two years if that that actually happens, but. Yeah, um, I have them ranked a little bit higher, but I don't. But that's mostly just based on I think his offensive scheme can work. I don't know. It, maybe some of it's just based on just like gut feeling. It 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 just feels weird to put them that low. Yeah, that's. Bad. I mean, it's still the University of Florida. Who did you have at thirteen then? I have Mississippi State, um, and that's really you know no fault of. Their own, obviously, yeah. they had tragedy strike this offseason. Um, I think so much of what made them competitive um, during the Mike Leach era was Mike Leach um, and and his offensive scheme. And I I just think there's a lot of unknowns there, um, and it felt pretty safe to to drop them down that low. But that's another one that I could see that being anywhere from like six to thirteen. It gets kind of weird here in this middle section. Um, who'd you have down at 12? Uh, 12, I've got the fighting Hugh Freezes, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, I just think that's going to – I'm not a huge Hugh Freeze like guy anyway. I think a lot of his resume is propped up by a couple fluky wins at Ole Miss over Bama. Uh, but that roster is not in good shape talent-wise. Um, Brian Harson left a mess there to say the least, and I don't really see a quick fix coming. I think he has some chops um, scheme-wise, yeah. offensively, and <laughs> some success recruiting, although there's some... Uh, it's not going to fix big, this year, though. No, not this year. And there's some pretty big asterisks even uh, in that success recruiting. Uh, yeah. It seemed like there were some sketchy things going on there at Ole Miss. Um, you got a 12 getting those top five classes. Yeah. yeah. So I have Missouri down here at 12. Um, I mean, they, they have been sort of a tough out the past few years, but talent wise, they seem like they've been kind of in this range here lately. Um, who's going to be the quarterback there? I mean, Brady cook, was out the spring with a shoulder injury. How quickly does he come back? Sam Horn's hurt uh, too. Yeah. Uh, Miami transferred Jake Garcia coming in. Um, but it's not like he like lit up the scoreboard there either. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um they used to have Luther Burden, who is dangerous and fun to watch. So I mean, like I said, these <laughs> The, the middle tier is kind of crazy. But if I'm looking at my tiers, I kind of had Mizzou, Mississippi State, and Vandy, 12, 13, 14, kind of in their own bottom tier. Um, and then I, I have a little bit of a break up into that next section at 11. Who do you have at 11? I got Mizzou at 11 pretty much for the reasons you just said. Um, 
just don't know what the quarterback situation is, and it's hard to go much higher than that when you've got that question hanging. Yeah, we, we just have Auburn and Mizzou flips because yeah. I have Auburn at 11 as well. I see I, – I feel like their talent from a recruiting standpoint is a little bit above Mizzou's. But, yeah, how quickly can Hugh Freeze kind of get that going, get that together? I do think personality of a coach does need to kind of fit the university. And I do think personality-wise, yeah, Freeze fits better there than one way to say it. did. That's one way to put it. <laughs> So, you know, how much of it was just Harson had kind of lost the support and lost the locker room and all those sorts of things. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out pretty quickly, but I could see them being a little bit better than people expect. Um, who's your number 10? This is where it got tough for me. Um, once you kind of clear the bottom four, I got Kentucky at 10 just because you combine losing Will Levis, although I do like Devin Leary. Line play was not good at all last year. I mean, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the country, and I don't think that's going to be a quick fix. And they're also losing weapons. Chris Rodriguez gone. Cavassier Smoke gone. Um, I just think that's a lot to replace, especially when you don't have good line play. Um, I don't even know if they're going to be that bad. I just think it's losing a lot. It's a quick turn. I also have them at 10, but like I said, my kind of 8 through 11 yeah. are a little jumbled up. Um I think if you're looking for reasons for optimism, Liam Cohen is back as offensive yeah. coordinator who kind of orchestrated uh, Will Levis's uh, career <laughs> pretty much um, two years ago. Uh, and then obviously we saw a pretty big fall off from their offensive production last year due to some injury from Levis, but also probably uh, a lot due to the offensive coordinator that is no longer there. So um, I think they're, hoping that they can kind of turn things around. I do think Devin Leary is a pretty good quarterback. Um, he is coming off injury, uh, so yeah. that'll be kind of interesting. That's the question. I mean, like I said, you can you can say if the quarterback gets hurt, they're screwed with pretty much any team in the country, but that is a big question to Kentucky. My number nine is Florida, who we already kind of talked a good bit about. But like I said, I think I may, maybe I'm getting blinded a little bit by the name on the front of the jersey sort of thing there. But um, who do you have at nine? I got Mississippi State at nine, who we also kind of already talked about for a little bit. Um, I like the defensive line there. I think they can, can keep them in some games. They're going to be pretty good up front. And they do have the quarterback coming back, Will Rogers. I think that helps just from a stability standpoint when not much else is stable there. Um, I can see them getting to a bowl game again, six wins. Um, it, it's kind of, I think this is kind of where your break is though, like at nine and then it gets better at eight, I think maybe. Yeah. So I have eight still in this group because my number eight team is Texas A&M and I, I also have A&M them. and eight. I have no idea what to do with them. I yeah. That's like the weirdest. They, that's the wild card here for sure. They, yeah. They could be as high as like two or three, uh, or I could see them finishing in that bottom grouping as well. Um, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, their defense probably going to be pretty good. Uh, offense looked terrible last year uh, at, at times, and, and you've lost probably your biggest weapon. A-chain, yeah. In Devin A-chain. So um, I don't know. Uh, someone, something's going to need to be revamped from like a philosophy standpoint, I think offensively for that to start working a little better. Um, but I think their defense keeps them in pretty much every game that they play. So yeah, got a really good defense there. It's just the Jimbo question as always, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Um, I don't have much more on AM that you didn't just say seven. I have Arkansas. I like KJ Jefferson back rocket Sanders back. Those two alone can help you do what you do. If you're Arkansas control the clock. 
run the ball identity. Um, who do you have at seven? See, I feel like I'm usually the the South Carolina optimist of the few of us. <laughs> you have at seven? I have South Carolina at seven. Um, I almost had them at six, which we can talk about in just a second. Um, but I had to put Arkansas over them because they beat them on the field last year. And I, I feel like That's a fair. lot of what they're returning is pretty much the same team. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think you have a strong offense there again. Um, although, remind me, did Browse end up going? Kendall Browse, didn't he go to TCU? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the the crazy carousel from from the off season. So yeah, you're you're going to be breaking. Dan Enos is the new OC there, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, new okay. offensive coordinator. Which, by the way, South Carolina fans, um, everything that I've heard was Arkansas wanted to hold on to Dow- Dowell Loggins because if Kendall Browse left, which he ultimately ended up doing after Dowell Loggins did, Dowell Loggins was going to be the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. So. I mean, he was kind of the heir apparent there. Um, I don't think I have to do as much convincing to you guys at this point uh, <laughs> as I did a couple of months ago. Um, but, I, you know, there's there's more than one SEC school that wanted him as offensive coordinator this offseason is all I'm saying. Um, but, okay, so, yes, yeah, seven South Carolina, seven Arkansas. Who's your six? South Carolina. Okay, um, so you had him flipped. We, you have Arkansas at six? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that same tier. It's the returning quarterback, new OC, questions at the line of scrimmage, but some good skill position group. I think South Carolina and Arkansas, you, not from an identity standpoint, because they're going to try to do different things, but from a talent and a narrative standpoint are pretty much the same right now. Ole Miss at five for me. What about you? I have Tennessee at five. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I think I'm not quite as high on them as you are, um, but that's mostly just because I think they lost a lot of – their offensive weapons from the past year, Hendon Hooker, uh, Jalen Hyatt being, you know, kind of the top line of that. Um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast. Milton had a really good Orange Bowl. So mm-hmm. if that Milton shows up throughout the season, uh, I have them underrated. Um, but I didn't see that Milton down the stretch after Hooker got hurt um, for the last couple of regular season games. So. I don't know. We, we were kind of trying to talk about, like, is he the guy that can be the consistent quarterback to carry you week to week throughout the SEC schedule? Or is he a guy that has a huge ceiling that he's going to hit sometimes and you hope that your team isn't the team playing him when he's hitting it? Uh, but is he going to have that consistency? You know? Yeah, and I really do like the hypo scheme. I think it works well. I think there's just certain teams that aren't going to be able to do anything with that because their personnel kind of no matter what, I think that's a good plug and play talent scheme. Um, so I do have Tennessee at four. As for Ole Miss, who I'm assuming you also have at four. I do, yeah. So yeah. Both those flipped. Uh, Spencer Sanders in the portal. I like that. Um, the, the Kiffin offense kind of runs alongside the Hypo offense there. Just, you know, they're going to score points. Talent there, skill position players there. Um, I just feel like that's safer than some of the other SEC teams we have maybe six, seven, eight right now, but I also would not be surprised if the bottom fell out there because there still isn't a lot of, again, you kind of can group South Carolina and Arkansas together. You can group Ole Miss and Tennessee too. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's the the tier break for me too. Um, I could, Ole Miss and A&M both are, I mean, Arkansas too, I guess, but they're all kind of in this jumbled mess that I think could 
compete with LSU or Alabama, um, but it it just isn't the safe bet right now compared to those two. Um, so then that brings me to number three, who I have LSU at number three, and I do have them kind of grouped in that tier with Ole Miss and Tennessee. Um, but I know you have them a little bit higher. So who's your number three? I have Alabama three, which just sounds weird to say out loud. Losing Bryce Young, that is huge no matter any way you slice it. Losing Will Anderson, that is, again, huge anyway. I mean, it's Alabama. There's talent. There's five stars. I'm not trying to say they're going to be bad. I just think they're – you combine losing a number one overall pick quarterback, losing one of the best linebackers in the country, maybe the best, a new OC that I'm not really sold on. I don't think Notre Dame, Tommy Reese really – I don't know what Tommy Reese did at Notre Dame to get the Alabama job, I guess, is kind of my question. Um, Tyler Buckner, I kind of feel the same. I'm just not sold on that offense being SEC champion good. They're going to win 10 games, 11 games, because it's Alabama, and that's how it works. But I have LSU at two. I think LSU is just a little bit better right now. And also, going back to your Arkansas and South Carolina point, beat them on the field last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tommy Reese – runs a similar offense to bill o'brien so maybe they just didn't want to change a ton there um but i do think yeah you have a ton of question marks um i just think we've been conditioned throughout the saban era that yeah those question marks seem to get smoothed over uh because there's always you know five stars everywhere uh behind them um but yeah we'll have to we'll have to see if that that's the case i do think lsu who i think you have at number two yes so, yeah, LSU is my number three. Um, I do think that they probably have more – you know who they are yeah. definitely better than you know who Bama is right now. Um, I just tend to still trust Saban until yeah. someone knocks him off. Fair enough. I mean, and speaking of people who, last year, but. people who have knocked him off, Georgia won, Georgia won. I don't think we really need to even discuss that that much. No, but I think there's some questions there. It'll be interesting to see uh, how their change of offensive coordinator goes. Um, I know South Carolina fans are pretty familiar with Mike Bobo, and uh, Georgia fans are pretty familiar with Mike, Bo- Mike Bobo as well. Um, he has an elite run game scheme, um, which I think is going to work well with what Georgia and Kirby Smart and everything wants to yeah. do. Um, but also his, like in-game decision-making is sometimes flawed. Uh, so we'll see if that costs them a game or two that it wouldn't have otherwise. Um, breaking in a new quarterback, obviously yep. Stetson Bennett wasn't like the uh, most elite athlete, um, but he did everything that that offense wanted to do very well um, and very efficiently. So we'll see how that goes. Right now it looks like Carson Beck, maybe. Yeah. Um, but you still got Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton kind of waiting there in the wings too. So, All right. Should we have the baseball discussion? We put it <laughs> off for almost half an hour. Yeah. So uh, as I led off at the beginning of the show, two weeks ago, South Carolina is kind of riding high. They're number three in the country. They're coming off a sweep of Florida. Um, it seems like and, – and it seems like they're through the hardest part of their schedule at that point. So we're like, oh, I mean, if they can just go like 500 the rest of the way, they should be uh, a top eight national seed, should be able to host to a super regional. You know, we were we were starting to maybe look a little bit at flights. Have those conversations. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the wheels have totally fallen off since then. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little six. bit last. Yeah. 
We talked a little bit last week about uh, the injuries playing a big role there, um, which we'll go through that injury update here in just just a second because I know South Carolina is getting some key parts of their batting lineup back, but also uh, running into some other problems still. Um, but yeah, so what what do you think? Maybe let's start there. Give us an injury update, and then what do you think? <laughs> South Carolina can do to kind of right the ship um, down the stretch here, or should we maybe stop dreaming and start talking about Mark Kingston's job? All right. I mean, that's a very blunt way to put it. Um, <laughs> I'll start with the injuries. Um, Noah Hall still not making the trip. I think you can almost say he's done for the year at this point. Even with the, even with the amount of time it takes pitchers to ramp up, even if he did get healthy, it would take him two or three weeks anyway to get back to the point where you can pitch and you don't have that much time left. Will Sanders not making the trip this weekend. There's another weekend rotation hit, lower body injury. Um, said it's not, they said it's not serious. But they want to be careful with it. Uh, Kingston said it's been lingering a bit, which would explain some things. Uh, Will McGillis, Braylon Wimmer will be making the trip and hopefully will be available. Kingston said McGillis pinch ran on Tuesday, but he hasn't hit yet in a game. Um, Wimmer hasn't played at all since his injury. Talmadge Lecroy, Good to go. Kingston said he started on Tuesday, um, took four at-bats. He looked fine. Jerzenbeck got hurt, or Eli Jerzenbeck, the reliever, got hurt Sunday in Kentucky. Will not make the trip. It sounds pretty bad there. Will tip its wrist. Good to go. Chris Feach's shoulder. Good to go. I think that's everything. Yeah, so we, I mean, we can speculate a little bit on these. We'll note that none of this has come directly from Kingston, but we do, you know, hear things around or whatever. The Jerzenbeck thing doesn't sound good for him returning the season, as far as I've heard. Um, Sanders, I've heard he's in a boot, so that uh, definitely doesn't sound good for the next couple of weeks. And I mean, you, boots can be precautionary too. Like that can be well, and you also look at it too for, for Will specifically. Is you have a Thursday, you have you're playing a regular series this weekend, but your last series, the regular season before Hoover, everybody plays Thursday through Saturday, get an extra day. So you're talking about you're starting your last series a week from tonight as we record here on Thursday afternoon. So that's bumping everything up a day. If Will is in a boot, if there's anything going on there, you're on a truncated timeline. You might have him back for a regional. We talk about what this team still needs to do going into that. You are down a day of recovery for next week too. Yeah. And we, we talked earlier in the season of like, well, if you could have an injury, pitching's probably okay. But if you, lose three of your top five starters <laughs> uh that's kind of a different different animal entirely um so yeah this weekend we're looking at becker and jones and a jones. TBA, which i still think could be mahoney they said they wanted to keep mahoney available to relieve in case something went wrong friday but i still think you could see mahoney saturday but yeah on paper start... that's yeah go ahead i mean yeah that's not terrible as a, as a starting lineup um, if all three kind of deliver what they can deliver, um, you still have guys like Proctor and Veach who are mm -hmm. a, elite level SEC bullpen guys. Um, got James Hicks. Yeah, yeah. I actually forgot about Hicks. That's that's a good point too. Um, so I do think you still have a competitive uh, pitching staff at the moment, but it's not to the elite dominant level that we kind of anticipated heading into the season after all of these injuries. Yeah. And I also think something that's kind of getting lost here that is, will be helpful for the staff is 
the injury shuffle in the infield has forced Cole Messina to play third, which means French is catching. Um, not that Jonathan French is a bad catcher, but Messina has worked with these pitchers more. Obviously, French is a new transfer into the program this year. He's a more experienced player. He's, um, I mean, Kingston said he's the best catcher in the country. Even if you don't want to go that far, he's still a better defensive catcher, better game manager, better with the pitchers and French. So once you get that infield healthy and you can have a regular infielder playing third base, you get Messina back behind the plate. Maybe that kind of self fixes some of the problems, even if the pitchers aren't healthy, because even the ones that were healthy aren't really performing these last two weekends. And I'm not going to just say that's completely because they don't have Messina catching them. But I, it couldn't hurt to have Messina back there. But we'll see this weekend how the infield looks. Well, yeah, and assuming you get uh, Wimmer and um, McGillis. McGillis back in your batting lineup, that's a pretty big boost. Um, yes, it's gonna the 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 tough thing with I get I get them confused for some reason off the top of my head. Which one broke the wrist or the hand? McGillis says the wrist, right? That's that's a little tougher to just like take the impact, uh, even if you your bone is healed and stuff. It's just gonna probably look different, um, and especially he was kind of a power guy uh, yeah. at the beginning of the season. So I don't know. I don't know if you can expect him to be fully back to that at all. Maybe by Omaha if you somehow made it that far, but that's that's a lot to ask right now. Um, but yeah, just having. Uh, more flexibility in your infield and in the lineup, I think does give you an immediate boost. It would not shock me if they come out and play much better this weekend than they have, if, assuming that those two guys uh, are back, even with the pitching woes. Um, but it does feel very much like it's a, a house of cards right now that like one bad wind could blow the whole thing completely over. If it's not already blown over, I guess. Yeah, I think the flexibility point's worth mentioning, too, just because you would actually, you know, in a world where you have, I mean, Wimmer, McGillis, Croy, Braswell, healthy, you can actually mix and match a little bit on the infield. Um, Gavin Cassis seems to have a swing back. He had two home runs at Kentucky. That was kind of the one positive from a really, really bad series in Lexington. Um, had another RBI double in the midweek. Um, I don't think the sky is falling yet but it's close i think this is a really bad time to have probably your toughest series of the season to say the least going on the road to arkansas um who's 11 and 1 at home in the sec this year um and just even really really good team struggle out there yeah what can you talk about with the like mental aspect of the team right now so i know you wrote after the midweek a little bit about this. So, so South Carolina on Tuesday yeah. uh, lost to the University of North Florida for the first time uh, in their history. I mean, I think they've only played five games or whatever. Um, and yeah, obviously an inferior opponent. I think they're in like the 200s and in, in RBI. RPI, yeah. um, but one of the, the sort of things that you grabbed um, from the post game was Kingston talking about after a two-hour lightning delay, uh, when you're in the ninth and you're down by three, um, the entire uh, the entire dugout was still on their feet and like cheering yeah. and like seemed to be have good energy and be in the right mindset. So it doesn't seem like personality-wise they've like lost the locker room or anything like that. But um, what are you seeing as far as the the vibes? I guess. Yeah, I would side with that too. I mean, 
I could literally hear it because by the time you clear a two-hour lightning delay for a midweek, there's nobody left in the stands. You can really hear the dugout. Um, they went to – they're talking today at the press. They went to Fort Jackson yesterday, which was something they did a couple times last fall for, like, team building and stuff. Um, so interesting they brought that back out in the middle of the season. Um, I don't think there's a sense of panic or frustration, maybe some frustration setting in yet for this team. But I also do think there is – I think there's a sense of urgency because there's two weekends left. They still probably need at least two SEC wins for sure. Maybe three SEC wins to host. Um, it's getting late. There's not really any other way to say it. you've got two weekends left. The last series starts a week from tonight. Like I think they know that they had a tough, tough task on their hands going to Arkansas this weekend. Um, and you're going to figure out a lot about this team this weekend by how they respond I'm not going to use the term backs to the wall because they're not going to miss a regional or anything at this point, but they need, you kind of just need something good to happen. And you're waiting for someone to step up and give you something good. Yeah, it does. It does feel like that. And it feels like we're kind of, I, you might not call them frustrated or, or downtrodden or, or anything like that at this point, but it does feel like we're a little bit of a far cry from, I believe it was the lead up to the LSU series where it might've been, Jerzenbeck said, "Was he the? Is this the? Um, we'll play anybody. Um, they, if we don't play them. They have to play us." Quote. Right. Yeah, yeah that was Jerzenbeck. She has to play us. Um, and it does seem like some of that personality uh, isn't there right now. But I mean, understandably so. As you said, they're one and six um, in their last seven. But uh, yeah, just needs something good to happen. I think if you and this is the way baseball always is, right? It's all about momentum and everything. If you can take a little bit of positivity out of these last two series into Hoover, maybe win a game or two there, then you get everyone pretty much healthy uh, heading into the postseason and, you know, whatever, pretty much anything could happen at that point. Um, but if it just keeps sliding and sliding and sliding over these next two series, like it has been for the last two, it's hard to see a turnaround uh, in their future, even if they do still host a regional or whatever. I see. I'm sure we'll talk more bracket stuff next week going into the last series. I still think right now, if you can go three and three of these last six SEC games, you're going to host. Maybe even with two and four, because you've got enough wins banked, but you'd kind of be on the edge there. Get a game this weekend. That's kind of what I would say. Don't get swept again. That would be a seven-game losing streak at that point if it happened. Find a way to get a game out there. Even if you lose two out of three, there's no shame in that. I mean, Arkansas has won 24 of its last 25 home series, dating back four years now. Um I mean, it's an almost impossible place for road teams to go. Get a game. Don't get anybody else hurt. Get yourself healthy. Get Wimmer 10 at-bats this weekend if you can play all three games. Get Lee Croy three starts. McGillis a start or two. Maybe you feel okay going into that last series against Tennessee if you can do that. Um, you kind of just need to stop the bleeding right now is where I stand with it. This is not a good place to go to stop bleeding. Yeah, I mean, if, if you go three and three against Arkansas and Tennessee, I think you maybe are still in the discussion for a national seat at that. You point. do something, Hoover, you might be, yeah. Um, but that's a very big if, yeah. as we as we said at the beginning of the show. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it right now, but I do want to just like start the conversation. So last season, Mark Kingston was very much on the hot seat, um, and a lot of it was, I, I mean, there was a big portion of the fan base that was ready to see him go. At that point, even regardless of all the injuries, but I think that there was at least some people uh, within the program, within um, support that were, were like, okay, bunch of injuries, 
you're going to have everyone come back, whatever. What happens <laughs> if, uh, you know, whatever, you maybe win one or two of these last six SEC games, uh, you host a regional and you get bounced from the regional. Um there's still the injury excuse this year, right? Like I don't think I don't think crazy. that card plays two years in a row. I I don't think it does. I think at a certain point, because also the whole thing with this team was supposed to be depth, right? Especially pitching wise. Now they've had a lot of injuries, and you can say that oh no team would survive this, but you can't really build it on depth and then bring out a we don't have enough depth card. I don't think. Um, and then you combine that with the way it started versus now. Like if you, it's funny they're fourteen and nine in the SEC right now. If you had if they had started six and six and they were playing well lately to come up to 14 and nine, you feel better. You know it's the same record. They're getting better as the year goes on, they're peaking at the right time. But when you start seven and oh, nine and one, um trying to think they were more they oh, 10 and two or so at one point. Once you do that and then you're at 14 and nine, it feels a lot different. Um, and it kind of looks like it has the last few years. Yeah. So I believe they were still sitting at number six in six the, the polls, one yeah. uh, baseball poll, which is the one we usually use. That was before they lost to North Florida uh, on Tuesday. If they go one and two this weekend, how far do you see that falling? I think you're maybe say in the top 10 at 10. I don't think that would happen. 11, 12. It's hard to project with rankings because you don't know what other teams are going to do in the top 10. Um, but I think more to the point, not in the top eight, which is kind of yeah. what you're focused on. Um, and then at that point, it would, the mission would just be to try to stay in the top 16 and at least make sure you're hosting one weekend. Yeah, and weird things can happen there too, right? You host a regional, you have a chance to host a super regional. Sure, you, you, the other bracket gets an upset, right. yeah. Um all right. Well, I guess we will see. Um, yep. So Alan is going to be covering the Arkansas game Friday and Saturday. And then our new intern, uh, Peyton, is going to be covering the game on Sunday. So check out GameClassScoop.com for the live threads on all of that. And we'll get back out here next week and hopefully have a couple of positive things to talk about, even if it's not a series win. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Just a couple positive things going into the last week. All right. Well, until next time, uh, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast. Uh, you can check out all of our stuff on GameCockScoop.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all of that fun stuff. Uh, we'll see you later.